Hi, Dr. Phil Flox here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. An unimaginable loss, a dangerous mission, and an unexpected turn of events. Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery continues to give us details on a new threat that has put the entire galaxy at risk and seems to be contradicting all known science. Last week, Book suffered a loss unlike one we've ever seen, and the anomaly could destroy everything in its path. Let's fly, people. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Discovery. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Last week, we welcomed back our beloved USS Discovery crew, and just like clockwork, a new and dangerous threat popped up, which put everything and everyone in harm's way. This week, we start to see the immeasurable loss that Book felt after the destruction of his home planet, and no one, including Captain Burnham, is quite sure what to do to help him. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about Season 4, Episode 2 of Star Trek Discovery. It's called Anomaly, and it's time to welcome some very important people to help me break it all down. First off, uh, you know what? Uh, it is the long-locked and Kenny Loggin-esque Casey Shasky and the witty and wonderful Sarah. Yes, the Sarah from Rewind. How you doing, Casey? I'm doing great. Don't worry about me, baby. <laughs> Very nice. I'll see what you did there. And Sarah, it's always good to have you here. You keep us, you know, you're the glue in this podcast. We've said it before. Without you, who knows what would happen? <laughs> I'm shocked because that's a, oh man, pressure. Yes. And, and uh, we did talk about last week. We had hoped that Bill would be joining us. But as you heard at the beginning of last week's episode, we unfortunately did not know that he lost his precious uh, pup, Abby, as we were recording last week. So he's going to take this week off again. He's also feeling a little bit under the weather, um, and he will be back next week. We we all send our condolences to Bill and Kelly, um, and uh, our thoughts are with them. Um, it's, it's not easy to lose a dog. I know that. I know Casey knows that, and I know Sarah yeah. knows that. So uh, we're all thinking about you, buddy. Yeah. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, folks, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode two of Star Trek Discovery season four, stop listening right now. Head on over to Paramount Plus or wherever you watch Discovery across the globe. Watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Anomaly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Episode 402 is written by Anne Kofel Saunders and Glenise Mullins and directed by Olatunde Asunsanmi. Saru returns to help the USS Discovery uncover the mystery of an unusually destructive new force. As Burnham leads the crew, she must also find a way to help Book cope with an unimaginable loss. Originally released on November 25th, 2021, it's the second episode of Star Trek Discovery's fourth season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Well, guys, as we gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on this week's episode, let's get your high-level thoughts like we do each and every week. Thumbs up, thumbs down, and why? And uh, Casey, let's start with you, my friend. I gave it one big thumbs up, which turned into two big thumbs up. Loved this episode. Okay. That was quick and easy. Uh, I gave it a thumbs up also. Book is hurting, and there are just so many things not known about what's happening with this new threat. Uh, The tension's real, and everyone involved in this week's episode really did a good job of showing that tension and, dare I say, fear from the crew of the Discovery. So, yeah, I thought it was a great episode. And, Sarah, what did you think? I gave this one thumbs up, seven up. This was great. There was so (laughs) much, right? (laughs) Do you remember that game? I loved it. Uh, There was so much going on in this episode, and there's so few shows that can make it actually work. You know, like places... I've seen so many shows try to get every character action happening, and they get lost, and they forget, and you come back from a commercial, and you're like, remember there was that other story? Not Discovery. They had so much going on, and it was so smooth. It was great. They're, they're fantastic, the writers, and how they're able to keep everything flowing with so many people involved oh, yeah. uh, in the show. So, it, so yeah, I agree. So, so three thumbs up. I do know that Bill gave it a thumbs up. I don't have a lot of his comments other than that. He said there was a lot going on, and a lot of people have to learn how to rely on others, and he's here for that. So I think that's a great way to describe it as well. Um, let's get right into the roundtable discussion, guys, because this was, a, this was a big episode. It's only season two, and we got a lot going on. So, uh, so Sarah, why don't you tell us about the things that you really liked about this episode? A couple talking points. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I really, that really stood out for me was Culber in this episode. I found um, mm-hmm. his interaction with Tilly was so good. Um, and her having that moment to come to him and say, like, you know what, I like, I, I want to talk. And, and then her awkward way of kind of making a joke about it after it was so real. And mm-hmm. you don't see that in a lot of, of shows, I, I find at least. And um, the way that he interacted with her was so raw and so honest. And I wish that had happened for Troy as the ship's counselor in TNG. It's interesting that you say that because I I find it very interesting that Culber is not only the chief medical officer, but he's also the ship's counselor. That's that's a lot on his plate, but he seems (laughs) to be able to handle it pretty good for a guy who was, I don't know, dead a couple seasons ago. Yeah, he's he's doing pretty good. I I didn't die two seasons ago, and I can't handle just one job, so I don't know (laughs) what's going on, but... Yeah, but uh, outside of that, the other thing that I just loved in general was the positivity behind the recognition they were giving each other in this episode. Saru was recognizing Bryce for his great idea. Tilly was thanking Adira for their hard work and Culber as well. And Stamets was thanking Book. And all of that, just in general, is so important. And recognition is lost and forgotten, I think, a lot of times. I think we just need more of it in the world. And I found that this episode kind of reminded me of that. Isn't that interesting that that's something that we've talked about a lot on Discovery and all of the seasons we've talked about is this sense of 
family and the sense of being there for each other. And I think that recognition is very important. I think one of the strongest moments we saw up until this point, because this was great, you, all the things you said were amazing, is remember when Pike was on the bridge and he went, the first time we really ever met any of the bridge crew, he specifically called each one by name to mm-hmm. thank mm-hmm. them for what they were doing and everything. And that's what Discovery does such a good job at is, is, is recognizing uh, the contributions that these that these characters are are making so yeah i think that was a great great discussion point sarah well done oh thank casey, you what, what did you get for this week bud <laughs> well uh, beat that on. casey <laughs> oh god i can't i will just ride your coattails my friend um really when you are thinking about this the, the bridge is the ensemble and finding out more about what people can do, the special talents that they have, because at times we still don't know a ton about each of the bridge crew. So finding getting these little character nuggets is just wonderful to be able to dive into, dissect, think about a little bit more and more. And having when when there are people who have accomplishments in certain domains, and then they're able to use those accomplishments to help others come all the way around. It's like none of these characters are are empty or ego. They're like, it's just dignity, dignity, dignity. How can I help? How can I be there for somebody else? Here's here's what I have to offer. And if you take it, great. And if not, well, I, I made I made the offer. And boy. <laughs> you know, Sarah really said it really well. Right now, we we could use a lot of people offering help that can actually help and do something. Otherwise, it, it's, it could be a sweet gesture, but it's a hollow gesture. But when you can really help somebody, that that helps them, that helps you as well. Because we've talked about this before. I think, you know, it's selfishly altruistic. Where what I'm doing, I'm going to feel good about, and that helps me, but I also get to help you. And boy, if that was more of a common practice in life, that would be pretty darn cool, mm-hmm. I think. This And in this episode, really getting to have deeper scenes, there, I, I kind of take them as not smaller scenes, but more intimate scenes. And this could be part of what's going on with the COVID restrictions during filming. But there's stuff that is seeming to to get to breathe a little bit more, to get to expand a little bit more. And you're getting these great, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two type of scenes that we didn't get before. And for me, and I don't know for you all, but for, for me, it's making this a much deeper Star Trek than it was before. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. I saw somebody post something very similar on Twitter this week, Casey, in regards to that, and I think it is because of COVID. You know, they 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 have to have you know there's some there's some spacing. I think a couple of examples. Saru, who was so awesome this week, how can I help? Is a perfect theme. What you said because that's what he's doing with just about everybody he's talking to this week. He's sitting across from Burnham, and then Tilly's sitting across from Culber. So you're having these extended one-on-one scenes where you really get to see the depth of the characters. And their mm-hmm. interactions, which mm-hmm. pre-COVID we might not have seen as much, because you know action show and we got to get the you know the story, story, story. But we're getting depth with these characters, so yeah, I I, I totally totally uh, agree with that. Um, 
for me, one of the things that I found interesting this week, which I wanted to get y'all take on, is remember at the end of last season when Burnham forced Stamets into a like oh, a, yeah. an airlock and shot him out, and and because uh, you know they didn't want anything happening with him in the spore drive, we were sure that there was going to be some pretty bad tension between those two characters this season, and um, I haven't seen that yet. And they've had a couple of important scenes. The only callback to what happened last season was a snarky comment that Stamets made about shooting someone out an airlock. And everybody in the room just kind of stopped and looked. And and he said something like, too soon or or something. Uh But is that all we're going to get? That was a huge issue at the end of last season, Casey. Well, you're you're dead on. You're right. I'm, I'm wondering, is this something where we get more of this in a book that might go through the five months that we haven't seen. Possible, yeah. And so it's something that was going on there. Um, Gosh, we're only in episode two. It could come up again, Mm -hmm. obviously, during the rest of the season. But I saw that, and I I heard you, it was like, boy, it's kind of when certain things are glossed over really quick to hope we kind of forget about them. But Mm -hmm. there's, there's a golden opportunity there for drama. Yeah. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I love that scene. I actually thought it was kind of funny the way that he said that and everybody just gave, gave him that look. But I was like, oh, wow, I hope that that's just, I hope that's not all that we have based on what happened last year. Because that was a huge, huge moment at the, uh, at the end of, of season three. Yeah. Um, speaking of Stamets, the other thing that I thought was really interesting this week was that he was a hologram on this mission with Book. And while that was interesting... I also found it to be a little disappointing at the same time because has technology gotten so good in the 32nd century that we can have people be holograms on away missions? Why go on an away mission? Why put anybody in danger if this is something that can possibly happen? Now, I know there's technology and he's in the ship and can they go out of the ship, but then mobile emitters with the dock and Voyager. It opens up a whole bunch of questions as if they can do this, why can't they always do this? Which I would hope they wouldn't do because that would mm-hmm. just take the adventure right out of everything. Sarah, mm-hmm. you're, you're yeah. nodding your head vigorously, which I like. <laughs> you agree with that. Well, I do. And it's funny because the moment that you spoke on that, it made me think of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and those gold people and their little pods mm-hmm. playing video games, but they were the ships that were out yes. there trying to compete and, and battle. And yep. that's a, that was the first time I'd kind of seen anything like that personally. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. been in multiple science fiction um, shows, but... I wouldn't want to see that in the world of Star Trek, I don't think. I do like the more personal, we're, we're out there, mm-hmm. we're doing it, and we're taking chances. Now, I, I totally get the reasoning behind it. I thought it was mm-hmm. a great way mm-hmm. for Stamets and Book to have this discussion that has been needed since the end of season uh, three, because now Stamets isn't the only person that can, that can uh, uh, work the spore drive, and that was something yeah. that I think bothered him. And we saw a little bit of old Stamets, the way mm-hmm. that he was a little uh, aggravated about that. I thought it was important that they have that discussion. I just thought it was kind of an interesting slash not interesting way to do it, if that makes any sense at all, which it's me talking, so it probably makes no sense. But yeah, that's what I was thinking about. No, it makes tons of sense to me. Because one, if they had both gone on that ship together, Mm -hmm. we would all be complaining to the writers of how could you possibly put the only two people who could run the sport drive together. Right. In in a massively dangerous situation. You're so right. that was like, okay, they're like, how, how are we going to have them together without being together and not be ripped to shreds mm-hmm. on this later on? But you bring up a really good point there, Dan, of like 
why aren't all the away missions holograms now? Yeah. It's a... Back back on Voyager. That's weird. Back on Voyager, we saw the not just hologram of 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 regular humans that or 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 crew members, but at the end of one of the Voyager episodes with the dock, there was a whole planet of holograms that were in a mining colony somewhere. Right? So why isn't there? I mean, it's a whole thing. Like you could go back to Picard when they had the synths, all the synths going on the away missions, or all the holograms going on the away missions. Mm-hmm. It just opens up a bunch of questions. So I like what they did. I like how they had that interaction, but at the same time. I hope they don't rely on that too much or even mm-hmm. again, I will even say uh, uh, to that extent. So, and the other thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to say, guys, is I really thought it was interesting. Let me ask you a question. I remember back in TOS, which is, which is in the future of the original time of Discovery, we all know, and the, uh, the flagship is the Enterprise and Captain Kirk is swaggering around and then he goes into his quarters and he's got this little teeny tiny closet of a quarters. He's got one little room with a table that's kind of cramped and he's got one little room with his bed that's only a twin, uh, whatever. Um, but now on the Discovery, <laughs> Captain Burnham, we get to see Captain Burnham's quarters and it's like the Ritz Hotel. It's gigantic. It's got hollow emitters in it. They've got all this <laughs> grand space I was like, they got a sitting area with a fireplace or something going on back there. <laughs> Things have changed once they got to the 32nd century. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the budget got cut because they overspent on those quarters, apparently. So someone did some auditing, yeah. and then it fell through with the Enterprise. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. The, the, the designers of these sets continue oh. to outdo themselves. Gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I saw the Captain's Ready Room in Discovery, I'm like, this thing is freaking huge. And it got bigger in like season two, I think. But And now the Captain's Quarters is just immense. And I thought that was just kind of funny. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> all the Well, you look at it, all of the quarters are bigger. Are they going, yeah, well, that's true. Either, either they had bigger, you know, studio space, more money, What's going on? Because, yeah, Kirk, you looked at Kirk's quarters. He went, this is like lower, lower, lower level on, you know, the cruise from Tijuana to Cancun. (laughs) And you're like, where's your window? You don't even have a window? (laughs) (laughs) Captain did not have a window. That's correct. I mean, even, I mean, Burnham's quarters even put like Picard's and Janeway's to shame. Um, and, and looking at the scope and, and the, of course, the technology there in the 32nd century. I understand all that, but I just thought it was kind of cool and kind of funny at the same time, mm-hmm. so I thought I'd bring it up. It's, it's fun. <laughs> the Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Their love of Trek can be seen in every single Star Trek pin they produce, and with over 400 pins to select from and new pins being added every single month, you are sure to find whatever you're looking for to add to your collection. Whether it's one of the amazing Deltas from your favorite Trek series, a beloved character, or maybe even a special edition collector set, you know that Fansets pins are made with the finest quality and come with the best customer service in the industry. So head on over to Fansets.com today, check out all of their amazing pins from all the different genres they represent, start by adding a bunch of pins, accessories, or even gift cards to your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter discount code word DISCOVERINGTREK for an amazing 10% off your entire order. That's Discovering Trek in all capital letters with no spaces for 10% off your fansets.com purchase. And don't forget, if you're in the United States and spend more than $30, you're also going to get free shipping. Fansets. Our pins have character. 
And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Well, you know, Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and as always in this segment, we're going to take a look at what this episode helped us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And I, I got to say, this week, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of things that we could probably grasp onto for humanity. So, uh, mm. so Sarah, let's start with you. What do you have for this week? All right. This episode stressed me out, <laughs> but not in a bad way. I just felt the stress that these characters were facing, and it was such a variety of stresses that can pop up in in an everyday. It was Book's emotions and his body just being stressed out beyond belief because of grief. Or it was Tilly stressing out trying to perform while still feeling out of place and kind of lost. Stamets is stressed trying to explain to Book why he feels loss and guilt when he looks at him. And then Michael is just trying to keep everyone alive. The fight or flight within us is so powerful and can last so much longer than the moment it's triggered. And this episode, I felt, touched on that in a lot of ways. I love that we're seeing how not everyone is okay all the time. These characters are raw and they're real and it stresses me out and I love it and I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> Stressed out and loving it. That's yeah. always a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, um, for me, I know what it's like as people who have listened to Trek Geeks, I know what it's like to feel completely alone. That feeling that no one will understand what I'm going through and it's absolutely pointless to ask anyone for help. That's how you feel. And book was a reflection of me at one time in my life when I watched this week. And I cried a couple of times during the scenes this week because they were all too familiar. I make a concerted effort to tell people these days that someone is always willing to listen and help, even if it's a, com- if it's a complete stranger and that it's never as hopeless as one might think. But I know that feeling that book had that no one could help and no one could possibly understand him, even when so many people were saying that they were there for him. After all, he just not only lost someone close, he lost an entire planet. Um, So I was really glad that Stamets appeared to get through to him as a hollow crew member. We all need that one person at some point in our life. So thanks, hollow Stamets, for being that person for book. Casey? You know, and this, you're going to have to bleep me here, Dan. Life is f***ing hard, okay? It just flat out is. And pain, suffering, loss, anxiety is something that we all go through, you know? We can go through them alone or we can go through them with support, In this episode, I mean, Tilly shows us both sides of being supportive to others and asking for that support and and having the courage inside to say, I need help. I need help from someone else, and I'm going to ask for it. We can all be help in some way to others. We don't know exactly know which way it would be, but we can be. Uh, this is another thing that was going on, I thought, in this episode is like, when we're learning, our body is perturbed. It's uncomfortable. I mean, think about when you've, you're trying to learn something new and how it's just, ugh, you know, your shoulders are up high, you're tense, 
everything. It's an odd sensation, but that means we are learning something new. So learning how to request help from others, offer help from others, and to others seems to me to be a very noble endeavor. And in this episode, I see that noble endeavor happening again and again. Commendations, palm leaf of Axonar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation. All right, Sarah and Casey, it's the it's the best part of the episode. It's it's when we give away awards that really don't even exist. That's always fun. Starfleet commendations. Uh, let's uh, see who you picked this week or what you picked to receive these commendations. And uh, and Casey, let's start with you, my friend. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to skip my first one because y'all dive in deeply into it, and you have a better, <laughs> I think, take on it than I have at the moment. But right now. Doug Jones and Mary Wiseman together. I mean, you know, we talked about it last week. There, there's a natural chemistry to certain groupings in this show. And these two work together really well. When Tilly states that they have no idea what the destructive force is going to do next. I mean, seriously, that's one of the handful of times when I've ever been watching something where I really believed the delivery of that kind of dialogue. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I took it in. I was like, oh, crap. We're here. We're in trouble. And that whole federation and everybody else, they're, they're in trouble as well. These two actors uh, seem to bring out a deeper performance from each other whenever they share scenes. Uh, I talked about it briefly earlier. Scenes are, are happening now that are a bit longer, more intimate this season. There's breathing room and development and time for characters to reflect about what they're talking about and decisions that they're going to be making. And then finally, I thought this was, where has this been the entire time? A great, cool idea about the private channel on the bridge. I, yeah. That was awesome because i go this allowed for an intimate scene to be unquestioned by the audience because you go would you really have private communications where everybody on the bridge could hear it's like Mm -hmm. nah not at all and since this show is packed with emotions all the time to give a very nice technical explanation of how this could be done and still remain intimate i thought great by the writers and producers yeah, they're pulling out a little 1960s get smart action with the cone of silence with one that actually works. I thought yep. that was really a great moment on the bridge. Um, yeah, Sarah, let's go ahead and, uh, and see what you had for commendations this week, girl. Oh, I have two. I have two. Dave and Mary. The two of them. <laughs> I'm just going to call them Dave and Mary because I'm treating them like they're my two best friends because I really wish they were. Those. Uh, okay, David's performance as book stood out so much Mm -hmm. to be able to convey so many emotions even just with his facial expressions his body language he did it with such grace and it was a pleasure to watch i don't really know else how to explain it i mean it was just so beautifully acted and i I just want to find out what else he's done to watch him as an actor and other things because I'm not as experienced with his um, acting outside of Star Trek and it was amazing. And Mary, Mary Wiseman, you know, she didn't have a huge, huge part in this episode, but what she had stood out to me because of her 
Her sense of humor and her awkwardness really reminds me of myself, especially when she finished having her conversation with Culver and she's just like using a funny voice and just kind of like, okay, I'm going to move you on out of here. Like I just, that is me in a nutshell in so many, sometimes supposed to be professional experiences and sometimes not so, but like I just find her very relatable and a lovely character to have in the Star Trek universe. And we're so blessed to have both Mary and David on our side. We're going to keep them. That's it. I want spinoff shows, time spinoff shows, at movies where it can never stop. You're stuck. <laughs> I, I totally agree with the humor um, aspect of of Tilly and how and how she uses that. And I want to go back to what Casey said for a second before I get into my accommodations. I talked about earlier how dare we say that we saw fear in the crew and that moment of dialogue that Casey that you talked about about having no idea what this anomaly is going to do next. That fear was heard in her voice and in her body language and I think it worked really mm. well for that scene. They have no idea what to expect next. And it's mm-hmm. it's scary seeing what mm-hmm. this, this thing has already done. Um, so I'm going to quickly say that Bill had a couple of uh, of uh, commendations for this weekend. And as Sarah and Casey mentioned, um, Casey's first one was actually David Ajala, which was Sarah's first one and Bill's first one. Um, he said that uh, it's his most layered and moving performance as book yet in the show. And he's yeah. awesome. And he also gave credit to Anne Caffell Saunders and Glenice Mullins for the script and giving book such wonderful torment in this episode. Ugh. And I think that's a very mm-hmm. interesting way that yes. Bill puts it because it is wonderful torment when you think about mm-hmm. it. Um, and for me, four for four for David Ajala, this was uh, his performance um, of, of his career on Star Trek. Um, it was perfect for what he's going through. It hits close to home for me and he was absolutely magnificent. And I don't think we've had much of a chance to see what David is capable of in this series until this week. We've seen a couple of things when he was first introduced, but nothing on the level that we've seen this week. So I thought that was, that was wonderful. Um, I'm so happy to mm-hmm. also say finally I get to say Doug Jones again for a Star Trek combination <laughs> because he He's like my favorite human being in the universe. Ugh, um, having it. Saru back on the Discovery is is like wrapping yourself up in your favorite blanket and sipping your favorite cocktail on a snowy day. I mean, it just feels right. And Doug picked up right where he left off with awesome scenes, amazing acting, and every scene he was willing to help someone else with what they were dealing with. So I thought he was brilliant. And finally, I'm going to give a commendation to Anthony Rapp. Um, like I said earlier, at times we saw glimpses of first season jerk stamets and his attitude, um, but then he really finally got booked to open up and what he was saying was truly touching. And I love Anthony and the work he does on the show. And sometimes I feel we don't get enough of him. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we did, and it was absolutely great. So mm-hmm. Great commendations, everybody, for a great episode with a lot and a lot of strong performances by just about everybody involved in this week's episode. And this is only episode two of the season. Right. I mean, we're so spoiled already, Mm -hmm. I feel like. I I cannot agree with you more. And and Casey... uh, um, are we going to be able to put up with this emotional roller coaster for, I don't, I don't even know how many episodes are on this season. Is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 26 like the old days? I, you know <laughs> no, it's what? not, by the way. I, I hope, I hope it's as strong of an emotional roller coaster the entire season. I mm-hmm. love that this series embraces emotionalism mm-hmm. instead of stoic. Absolutely. And like, do it, go for it. You mm-hmm. know what? Honestly, we're not we're not made of brick and stone. Things hurt us, things thrill us, 
and fulfill us in our lifetime. And it's like, how are we going to appreciate the good times if we don't experience the bad times? I love the show. Absolutely. Totally agree. So, Casey, since I'm still talking to you, I'm going to just keep going. Episode two gave us a lot to chew on. It was just so great to see Saru back, and it'll be interesting to see what's going on with Tilly and Book and, and the whole crew. So, so what do we have in store for us next week, my friend? Oh, my gosh. Next week, Burnham and Tilly hunt the killer of a Starfleet officer as Stamets and the science team race against the clock to prevent the anomaly from killing anyone else. It's episode three of season four, Choose to Live. And we will be here to break it all down. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pins and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, along with other things. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are truly so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today for all the details. Choose to live. That sounds familiar. Huh? It sounds like we've heard, we heard that, that in before? other seasons or other shows, something like that. Hmm. I guess we'll have to see. Choose, like, like chewing food, choose to live. Is that right? No? Yes. It's an yes. episode about beef jerky. Yes. It's going to be Ferengi pre-chew their food for their mates, don't they? So, yeah. So, we get to look forward to that. Here we so, go. So, yeah. I know. I'm going to stop now. Um, I, as always, though, guys, I got to give you both a very special thanks. Uh, Casey and Sarah are phenomenal. It's a great discussion, as always. Um, I, I do want to say that I am not going to be here for the next couple of episodes. Uh, I'm heading to the... Uh, land of the of the world of Walt Disney and I'm not sad to say that I'm looking forward to it um, so you are going to be back with Bill uh, I'm sure you guys are going to do a great job and I know yeah. that the next two episodes are going to be things that you're going to have lots to talk about so listeners what did you think of this episode uh, of season uh, four episode two and what did you think of our discussion hit us up on Twitter and give us your thoughts we are at discovering Trek and as always we would really love to hear from you so that's going to do it for this week in Episode 2, Anomaly. You know, Discovery shows us the true meaning of what being a family means each and every week with every character. Great performances by Anthony, David, Doug, Mary, and, well, you know what? Everybody on the show. I don't have time to go yeah. through the whole list. Mm -hmm. uh, as always, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about the wonderful show that is Star Trek Discovery each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. As Casey mentioned earlier, we will be back next week to talk about Episode 3, Choose to Live. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Mr. Spock. Loss of life is to be mourned but only if the life 
was wasted. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.